minutes, I have a scripture I want to share with you that will be the subject of this message today. I'm hoping that it kind of sits in this moment with us well. It's from the First um, Samuel 16, 1 through 12. First Samuel 16. I'm going to read that and then take your seats. So in honor and respect of the Lord, we're going to stand while we read the scripture. First Samuel 16, verses 1 through 12 reads like this. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? seeing I have rejected him from being reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If I saw hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will shew thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did what the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I come to, to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to sacrifice. Verse 6, And it came to pass when they was come that he looked to Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Look, look not on his countenance or on his height or his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, And here are thy children. <laughs> and he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, and now he was ruddy with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. May the Lord add a blessing to the word. Please take your seats. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for your attentiveness to the word of God. Uh, I've been, I don't, probably like you, I've been watching the Olympics recently. Um, the Olympics has been all over the TV. Um, there's athletes from all over the planet, the very best of athletes they could find, all descended on Tokyo, and they've all come there to compete against each other. And when you look at these folks, I mean, every single one of them are the fastest, the strongest, the tallest, the quickest, the be most stamina, the most skilled, Every single sport, from tennis to soccer to baseball to badminton, everybody's there. All the best athletes on the planet are here this moment. 
And uh, what is interesting about this is that it's obvious that they're the best yes, by, the way, by the way you can look at them, right? It's so obvious that these are the very best athletes yes, you've ever seen. Um, just looking at them, you can tell they are amazing. Just from the outside, these folks have trained for years to prepare for this. It's clear that they are the very best. But all I've realized is, in my life, is that what it looks like on the outside has almost nothing to do with what's going on on the inside. Like, you can be as fast, strong, or as good-looking as you like, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with what's going on in your heart. And this scripture, I think, illustrates that almost better than any other place in the Bible. Here we have Samuel, this prophet of God. He has, from his very moment he was born, been considered a prophet and been prepared and dedicated to God. He is the voice of Israel at this moment. This is so early in the history of Israel that at this point they don't have any kind of leadership as we would know it. They don't have any kings. And in an act of desire to, to get more protection, they turn to Samuel, who is the spiritual leader of Israel, and say, could you get us a king? We want a king. And they didn't want it just for any reason. To be clear, they wanted it because there was lots of fights going on, and they thought if they had a king, they would be better represented for fights. And I don't know if you've ever done this. You've tried to solve a problem, but you didn't understand the nature of the problem, and so you picked all the wrong tools to try to fix the problem. Like, I am not, if, if you ever have a problem with your car, don't ever call me. Like, I am not the one. I can't help you. You got some mathematic homework, I can help you with that. <laughs> you, you have a problem with physics, I can help you with that. But fixing a car, I have a whole bunch of tools, but I have no idea how to use them. Okay? I don't know half of what a half of those tools are supposed to be doing. But if I take the wrong one out and apply it to your car, I'll probably do more damage than good. That's the likelihood, because I don't have that skill set. And this is what Israel is doing. They're taking the wrong tool and applying it to a problem. <laughs> and meanwhile, the Lord was telling Samuel, look, Samuel was very mad about this. He was furious about this because he understood what it meant. He was the spiritual leader and they were trying to pick somebody else democratically to go ahead and lead them. And God said, I'll be the king for you people. And they tried to pick somebody else. And so Samuel, on behalf of the Lord, was furious that the people did this. But nevertheless, he went along with it. He let them pick their king. And they ended up picking Saul. Now, they picked Saul not because he was uh, obedient to the Lord, not because he knew the word of the Lord, not because he was kind, not because he was even a good leader. They picked him because of what he looked like. He was taller than most of the other people. The scripture describes him in 1 Samuel 15, I think it is, or 13, as being head and shoulders above taller than everybody else. So, you know, you might, if my wife, you can think if my wife was the average height, maybe I would be to them. Saul was that much taller than everybody else. He was, he would come up to their, everybody else was up to his shoulders. So he was a tall guy. He looked the part. You see, when you have a problem, a particular kind of problem, you may pick out a particular tool you think fits, but it doesn't always fit the real problem you have. So the children of Israel picked Saul. They picked him to be the leader. 
great. But the problem is your problem now has, you now have two problems. You have a people that are fighting against you and you have a bad king. The King Saul was disobedient, he was willful, he was jealous, he didn't listen to people, he didn't listen to the word of the Lord more specifically, he didn't obey the word of the Lord that came. So now Israel went from having one problem to two problems. They had a bad king and they had somebody who didn't listen to the Lord. So now we pick up in chapter 16, the verse that the chapter that I just read was the Lord having given up on Saul and trying to pick himself a new king. Okay, so that's where we pick up in chapter 16. What's interesting is that we pick up in chapter 16 and verse one, and the Lord is telling Samuel, why are you so upset that I've rejected Saul? If you remember, I just told you, Samuel didn't want to pick Saul in the first place. Samuel knew it was a bad idea in the first place, but yet, Samuel is upset that the Lord is picking somebody else. It's amazing to me that sometimes, even though we have these bad experiences, we get used to having this, that kind of bad experience, and so we're not ready for a change. And so even the thought of changing a bad experience sometimes works against us. <laughs> but Samuel nonetheless is obedient to the Lord. And what's interesting about verse one is that he sends him to Bethlehem to go find a king. To understand really what that means, we have to understand a little bit about Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a small town. In fact, it's a small town in a small place. Very few people there. It's not famous for anything. No one barely knows about the place, but that's where the Lord is sending Samuel to pick out what should be the greatest office in the land. I think sometimes we assume that great things or big things or wonderful things or wise things have to be in big places, have to have lots of people, have to be the most beautiful, have to be the tallest. Surely that athlete, because of how well he dunks a ball, knows what he's talking about when it comes to... And you come to find out they're good at one thing and one thing only. We have to understand that sometimes great things come in little packages. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't look like much on the outside, but yet there is something special about that thing. And so Samuel is sent into this backwater place. In fact, in Micah chapter 5, it describes Bethlehem as being little place, this little place. We also know that Micah was clearly prophetic because he was talking about Jesus would come out of this little Bethlehem too. And so we understand that Jesus came out of this little place called Bethlehem and Samuel is sent here to go find David to be king. So let me read just a few verses of that, what it says. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine, oil with oil, fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me as king among his sons. Amazing moment here, it's starting to rain outside. Amazing moment here is that what's happened here is that he's, the only thing he's told Samuel to do is to fill your horn with oil and go. I'm gonna show you what you need to do when you get there. And I've found that so much of our life, so much of the walk we have with Christ needs to be characterized by faith. 
Like, if we are walking in any other way, we're probably not walking to the will of God. Like, faith has to be the thing that drives you. Samuel is being sent with almost no information. It's one of his sons, but I'm not going to tell you which one. It's in Bethlehem, and that's all you need to know. It's like he's keeping a little bit of information. That's important for later on. So Samuel's worried at this moment because he knows he's anointed Saul. Saul's going to be mad at him if he goes. And so he says, if I go, the current king's going to be furious if I anoint a new king. And he says, well, just go and make as if you're just going to make a sacrifice. And so he turns up in the town of Bethlehem and he presents people and shows, and shows them that he's come there to sacrifice. And the first question they ask, because they know who Samuel is, they know how powerful a prophet is, is, are you coming peace? Or is there something else going on here? Why have you showed up here? Are you coming in peace? And he said, he said, peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, in verse 5, and come with me to sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to sacrifice. And it came to pass, this is the verse I wanted to get, these are the verses I want to get to. And it came to pass that when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Samuel, who realized Saul was a bad choice, you can't just pick somebody because they're tall. <laughs> he realized this the whole time. Samuel, who is now mourning for Saul, sees the exact same pattern in Eliab, who is the oldest son of Jesse, and said, surely he looks like the one who's supposed to be king. He's the one who's supposed to be in charge. He looks the part. Again, he looks the part. He probably looked like an athlete. He probably looked like a soldier, right? He probably looked like the thing you imagine a king should be. He's looking at the outside of this man and saying, this is probably why I'm here. And it's amazing to me that this prophet, this person we know who hears from God, gets it wrong when he relies on his gut. And I'm here to tell you, your gut is different to the leaning and the move of the Spirit. Your gut is very different. Like Samuel, if he was there, he would have made the same mistake the people made because he would have thought Eliab was the person. You know the other thing that occurred to me when I was reading this scripture? Because we are literally in the chapter 16, and chapter 17 deals with Goliath, right? If chapter 16 is important, and chapter 15 is important because we're selecting Saul because he's tall, chapter 16, we do the same thing again, we're selecting this oldest son because he's tall and he's looked apart. Well, chapter 17 throws the whole thing out because if you think about it, if this has all been about tallness, Goliath should have been the king of everywhere. Like, he gets to be taller than everybody. Right? I mean, if that's what we are using to determine who should be king, I see why everybody's so scared when it comes to Goliath, because you realize he should be the king of everybody. But we are looking at the wrong things to determine something is spiritually valid or not. So now the scripture tells us in verse 6, came to pass, he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Verse 7, but this is what the Lord says back to him when he says, surely this is the right one. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on his height or his stature because I have refused him. And listen, this is the important part here. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, 
For the, for the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Here is the powerful thing about this whole scripture. We're selecting leaders, we're selecting people to, to be influencers. We look on YouTube and there's a whole bunch of influencers on YouTube and we are taking their advice and they're taking their input because they're good looking and they know how to do hair and makeup, right? Or because they're athletes and because they know. And I'm suggesting there might be a better criteria for taking their advice than what they look like. Like there might be a much better criteria than that if we were happen to look at the heart. I often wonder what would happen if our hearts were reflected on how we looked. Like I imagine some people who are beautiful on the outside would immediately transform to the way that their insides look and the folks that were really beautiful would be a whole set of different people. <laughs> right? <laughs> I imagine that the way it would shift it would be a little bit different because the way Samuel's approached it is the way he looks has got to be the way he is. And we've come to realize that the way people are on the inside almost has nothing to do with what it looks like on the outside. Like we have to make room for the fact that some of the best people don't look the way we assume they should. <laughs> like I remember I, I, um, years ago my, um, a pastor told me a, a story that I've taken to heart when it comes to how I treat people. He had mentioned in this, this story that he was outside the church and somebody, somebody who was homeless and very much, you know, obviously not very well, homeless, looked awful, smelt awful, the whole nine yards. Everything looked bad about this person. And they came up to him and they asked for something. He didn't have anything at the moment. And he kind of used their appearance to make a judgment about whether he was going to help. And he said he went back to his office and he was doing his thing and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you should have helped that person regardless of what they look like. And he felt so convicted by that moment that he ran out of his office, ran downstairs and looked for them all over the street to see if he could lend them some assistance. Why? Because he allowed the, the outside appearance to be the leader of indicator about whether he was going to help. Now, you may say, <laughs> I have to take care of myself. I'm not asking you to put yourself in harm's way. But at some point, we have to really question the way in which we absorb the outside and say we're going to say somebody's good or somebody's bad. We have to start with the heart to determine that. Let me keep going here. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, his another son, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen. You know, the other thing here is, like, I think sometimes when we are given the first option to solutions in our life, we often think that that's the one that we should go after. Samuel is being the prophet of God and he's being given option after option and they are all wrong. All seven options are wrong. Like we assume that the Lord's just giving the first and the best option first. And I think sometimes the Lord is basically telling you, no, that's not the one. 
that's not the one for you either. <laughs> that situation's gonna be bad for you too. You can ignore that one. Let that one go as well. The Lord's going to move things in your way and you have to use your spiritual eye to kind of see if it's the right thing for you. So you can reject a few things and the Lord's still gonna give you that thing which is necessary for you so that you can make the right decision. And so finally, Samuel gets through everybody. He goes through all seven sons. And then the scripture tells us that he makes, in verse nine, he makes them all pass by again. He can't believe that he's got it wrong. So he passes the all seven sons past, past Samuel again, meaning he must have made a mistake. Like, I need you to look at my sons again. You must, you know why you came here. If it's one of my sons, look again. And so in verse 10, what's fascinating is after he makes him go through all of his sons, Samuel asks him, are these all your children? <laughs> like, that's a great way to, like, it would be amazing for me to say to somebody who I don't know, like, are these all your children? Aren't you missing somebody? Like, how am I supposed to know if they're missing somebody? But that's the question he asks. He so believes on God's promise. He so believes that God is right that it has to be you that's wrong. Like you must be missing a son. God said something, so you've gotta be missing. He turns around and says, there must be somebody else because God hasn't picked these seven. And so many times we think that the situation we're in has to be the way it is and we neglect God's promise because we see the situation and I'm saying you to trust God's promise regardless of what the situation looks like. Trust in God. I want you to go through every scenario. Like Jesse must have forgot somebody because there's no way that God is wrong. Like I've got to defy all logic. I've got to question every assumption. I have to make sure we've got this right because I believe the word of God. I'm going to believe on the Lord Jesus. Like I'm going to assume you're wrong. I'm going to assume you don't know how many children you have. I'm going to assume you're forgetful. I'm going to assume something else other than that God is not able to keep his promise. I'm going to assume everything else first. He is a promise keeper and Samuel knows it. And so he's looking at the situation and saying, you must be missing somebody. And then it just so happens that Jesse says, well, actually, well, actually, there is somebody who's missing. We do, I do have one more son. He's the youngest one. He's looking after sheep. He's, he's insignificant. And this is where we're back to the beginning of what looks like. So not only is Samuel mis misunderstanding what small or great looks like, but Jesse is doing the same thing too. He didn't even think to go get, look, when Samuel showed up, everybody was so scared, they said, are you here in peace? Please make this not a bad reason for you to be here. They were obedient, they were scared of, of Samuel. So they were ready to do everything he said. But in everything that they were getting ready to do, they forgot David. That's how insignificant David was. And I want you to know that sometimes the most insignificant looking things that you do even though you think it's just a small thing you're doing for the Lord, maybe it's your dedication to prayer, maybe it's your dedication to reading the word, maybe it's just showing up here on a Sunday morning. You think it's so small, you think it's so insignificant, you think it's so, so nothing to think about. 
And all the time you're forgetting that that's the thing that the only reason why Samuel and the presence of the Lord is there is because of this insignificant town that has this insignificant family with this insignificant youngest son who's looking after the insignificant sheep. And that's the reason why the Spirit of God has showed up in this small town. <laughs> we think it has to be a big deal. We think it has to be a Goliath for it to be king. And it doesn't. It can be David who's looking after sheep. It can be David, the son we all forgot. It can be the son we all ignore, who ends up being the king of everything. <laughs> it's not necessarily the thing you choose, it's the thing God chooses that's significant. I don't even care what it looks like to me. That's why I said to you, I'm not worried about how many people show. All I need is two. When we started this ministry, it was my wife and I in our bedroom, singing and praising God to each other. To me, this, this looks like an army to me. <laughs> so I'm not worried about what the numbers look like, how tall everybody is, how beautiful, how well we sing, I couldn't care less. I just want to see you sing something. I want to see you shaking that tambourine. I saw Nathan over there a second ago. He was shaking that tambourine, looking at, shaking the shaker, looking at me. I said, that's exactly what I need. I need that David spirit shaking that thing at me. <laughs> he didn't care. It was small in our eyes, but it was big, I believe, in the eyes of the Lord. You know what the funny thing is about this moment, about how you reflect on what's big and what's small? In the previous chapter when Samuel rejects Saul, Saul Samuel reminds Saul, he said, when you were small in your own eyes, the Lord still chose you. Meaning Saul, even though he was taller than everybody, he was still insecure on the inside. So Samuel reminded him, when you were small in your own eyes, even though everybody else thought you were great, you were still small in your own eyes. Which makes me think, some things about folks is the outside appearance can be deceptive in multiple ways. We thought Saul should be king because he was tall, but in the inside, Saul was thinking he should never be king. He was small in his own eyes in the previous chapter. And so I want you to know that sometimes we deceive ourselves Sometimes we think we are great and we're not, and sometimes we are great and we don't even realize it. You think if David really knew he was going to be king, he would be looking after sheep? <laughs> he didn't realize who he was either. So now we have a full count. We have Samuel who didn't realize who David was. We have Jesse who doesn't realize who David was. And to be honest, in the next chapter, his brothers don't realize who David is. And then we have David who doesn't know who he is, which leads me back to my original point. I don't care how tall, how good they sing, how beautiful they are, how high they can jump. All I'm concerned about is what's going on in the heart. And I've spent the 28 minutes trying to get back to this point. When Jesus came on this earth, he came not preaching to those who are rich or tall or good looking. He said he came and preached this idea of repentance, meaning I want to look at what's going on in your heart. I want your heart to change. Didn't care about which tribe you were from. Didn't care about what your family background was whether you were a priest or not, 
he was interested in what the position of your heart was. In, um, I think it's in Psalms 51. If somebody could find that for me, Psalms 51 verse 10. Psalms 51 verse 10. This is David saying, this is David, this is that same David who we're talking about this whole time, right? This King David who's going to be king. And it says what? Creating me a clean heart, oh God. Yeah. You see? And renew a right spirit within me. Create a clean heart in me. Start with my heart, Lord. <laughs> you have to reset anything about the way I am. I'll take care of the fact that I eat too much. I'll take care of that. But Lord, if you can create a clean heart in me and renew a right spirit in me, I think I'll be all right. Let's go to one more scripture, Psalms 139. Psalms 139. And it reads, somebody found that, Psalms 139. Yeah, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me my downsetting you know what makes me happy you know what makes me sad you know what makes me get up for the day you know what frustrates me you've searched me you know everything about me this is what the Lord knows keep going yes yeah you know everything about the direction I'm going you know about the path I'm on you know my heart you know what makes me frustrated you know what makes me feel good you know what you know all those things Everything about my character and personality is not hid from you. And that's why I'm so grateful to the Lord. He's not looking, none of this is about David's wardrobe or the way he looks. This is all about the heart. And that's why it's so, sometimes I think it's so frustrating when we treat each other a certain way by the way we look on the outside, because you can't possibly know the heart. You can't possibly know it. And David is declaring, Lord, but you do. You absolutely know it. Let's keep going. There's not a thing that I say that you, you know what I'm saying, literally what I'm saying, but you also know what I meant when I said it. Like, I don't know if you've ever had one of those conversations or even an argument where you realize that you're talking to each other but you're talking about different things and it's like it's a waste of time continuing this because you're not understanding the connection of the point I'm trying to make and I'm probably not understanding your point. And the Lord is saying, David is saying about the Lord that he understands his intent behind his words completely. I'm not, it's not a mystery to the Lord when I pray. Because he sees not just what, and hears not just what I'm saying, but the intent of my heart. I don't have to put on any airs or fronts or any kind of decoration around my word because the Lord understands my heart. This is a good thing, saints. This is a good thing. Let's keep reading. Yeah. So you, the Lord is before me. Wherever I'm going, he knows where I'm heading. Yes. He understands my past. <laughs> and he's also put a guiding hand on my shoulder. So he knows the direction I'm going and where I've come from. I often say that in order to understand somebody, 
you have to see where they've come from, you have to see how they were raised, you have to see the kind of decisions they're making. And David is saying, hey, he knows what I'm saying, how I meant it when I said it, he knows what my thoughts are in my head, he knows where I've come from, he knows where I'm going. When he selected me then to be here today, it was deliberate and on purpose with all my weaknesses. To be very clear, David wasn't perfect. And we learn about that later. But it wasn't off-putting to God that David wasn't perfect, even though he knew his entire heart. He just needed somebody to listen. We are here because we've chosen to listen to the Lord. We are here because we've chosen to follow what he says. We are here and standing here because we, we put the Lord's word above our own. We don't care what it looks like. We don't care what the trend is. We don't care what the influencers say. I am prioritizing the word of God. I am prioritizing his word. You'll see in the next few weeks as we start at various practices in the church, every single word will be from the word of God. I'm not making it up for myself. I'm not making it more convenient for culture. I'm not making it more convenient for us to be easier for everything we do around here. I am trying to make it aligned with the Word of God. So we need to make sure we prioritize His way because He's chosen us based on what He sees inside us, not what He sees on the outside. I have one more scripture I wanted to take you to. Philippians 1 verse 6. Philippians 1 verse 6 and I'll take my seat in the name of the Lord Jesus. Philippians 1 verse 6 and it reads, you got that for me sir? Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident. Yeah, being confident of this very thing. Of this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in you. Yes. Will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He, that is the Holy Spirit, the Lord has created, started a good work in you. And where did it start? Not on the outside. It started in you. <laughs> Samuel was sent to find the heart of a king in the smallest town in Israel on, with the smallest uh, family, with the smallest child who just happened to be looking at sheep. Like his job, his whole job was taking care of sheep. I've preached this message before but only thought about it from the fact that David was faithful over sheep and the Lord made him faithful over many things. But the idea here really is his heart was hidden in a smallest place that no one was looking for. But in that heart of that shepherd was a king. And if you listen to the voice of the Lord, you will find that in the smallest places will be the victory you need to overcome. Remember, all this was about the fact that Israel needed somebody to defend them. And their greatest defender was a shepherd looking after sheep. And they would never have seen him if they didn't listen to the voice of the Lord. I'm asking you to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. 